0: make this christmas memorable with goat guns get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection from historical classics to modern weapons we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast surprise your loved ones with the gift of goat guns the perfect blend of quality and detail shop now and spread the joy at goatguns.com welcome to the human capital innovations podcast Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this HCI podcast episode, I talk with Elizabeth Pampalone about effectively right-sizing your organization during hard times. Elizabeth Pampalone, welcome to the Human Capital Innovations podcast.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, it's great to have you back. You last joined me what, maybe a year ago, uh, six months ago, something like that. We it had was a really a while. nice. Yeah, it was a while ago. Um, we had a really nice conversation, and we're going to pick up where we left off. And really, I want to get an update on how things are with you and your firm, and how you've been grappling with. The challenges of the the COVID pandemic in terms of your staffing and people management issues. So we're going to zoom in and focus specifically today on effectively right sizing your organization during hard times. Of course, we can extract you know more generalized kind of principles, but we'll also talk specifically about the circumstances of the pandemic and and what you've done to try to uh, deal with adjustments in staffing uh, during this difficult time. As we get started, I wanted to share Elizabeth's bio with everybody. Elizabeth Pampalone is an international speaker, successful entrepreneur, and expert marketer with over 20 years of experience. Her innovative approach helps overwhelmed business owners and burnout nonprofit directors to achieve success and freedom through the power of absolute marketing. Uh, Anything else, Elizabeth, that you would like to share with listeners by way of your background before we dive on in?
1: I think that pretty much says it all. Um just I've been doing this for over 15 years and it has definitely um seen its ups and downs and you know we know that history repeats itself so I think we're kind of in an interesting spot. If you've been in business a certain amount of time, you start to see the cyclical patterns that can really happen and not just seasonally, you know, we're talking over five, 10 year spans um, that they are still cycles even in that long of periods of time. So um, it's been really interesting for me to kind of come around to that second wave of just, just the way the world works and the way business works. So been interesting.
0: Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. Now uh, this pandemic, this is not uh, something that many people really saw coming um, two years ago, but like you said, the cycles, one, one thing or another tends to happen every so often, whether it's at the economic cycles where you, you do see ups and downs, uh, or you see something like I think of the, the dot-com bust, um, or then you had 9-11, then you had the 2008 financial crisis. Uh, And, you know, in the pandemic. And so all these things, they tend to happen every five to 10 years. There's something big like that. And so we certainly need to prepare as businesses as leaders uh, for the inevitable. Uh, And and increasingly in this, this complex and uncertain world, uh, messiness will happen and and things will happen that will likely disrupt what you're trying to accomplish with your business. And it may be staffing and uh people management related specifically you know it, it may be in relation to the labor market like we're experiencing right now and in, in relation to the pandemic uh it may be in response to disruptive innovations and new technologies that have emerged and have been embraced that have have uh made you know previous Products or services that you've provided obsolete. All of this is is what leaders have to constantly be grappling with. And of course, right now we're in the middle of the pandemic. I, I man, I I sure wish. And it seems like last time we were discussing, you know. I, I, I don't think either of us thought that you know a year later, we'd still be talking about the, the darn pandemic, but we're, we're still in the middle of it. Uh, organizations are still grappling with it. We're in the middle of the great resignation. Uh, and so while many organizations um, were struggling to keep the doors open and had to um, cut staff, uh, particularly early on in the pandemic, uh, since then, jobs have ramped back up and companies have been really struggling to find good people. Uh, and hence the, the, the term, the great resignation. Um, so with all of this said, kind of as a foundation and as a, and as a backdrop, tell us a little bit about what you faced over the last 20 plus months in your firm uh, in terms of th- those labor supply demand issues and how you've tried to right-size your organization.
1: Yeah. So, you know, definitely after 2020, I was looking to make a change and do some hiring so that I could step back because during 2020, like you said, there wasn't any room to hire anybody. There wasn't any money. (laughs) We were just barely keeping the doors open. And, um, you know, while we did okay, it was not one of our best years, you know? And so, I definitely wanted to um, focus on in 21 for really uh, not really a growth factor, but a sort of a growth factor in the way that, you know, we could ramp up our staff a little bit, get our team back, and actually have people in place that could basically replace myself and in a couple of different capacities. So having more than one person doing all the things that I normally do kind of on my own. Um, And it was, so that I could do what I've always wanted to do, kind of have that own the business, not you know run the business every single day and things like that. And what I found was I, I did hire someone. I hired someone full-time actually um, in about, uh, it was about May of last year and it was working out really great and it lasted five months. And then the person decided that they were kind of in that stage where I feel like a lot of the resignation people have been, um, it was full-time work was not going to work for what they wanted to do um, in their life, I guess. And, um, you know, they decided to move on, which was okay. But then I'm left with now, that was kind of my dream, right? <laughs> to hire someone and and step back from the day-to-day um, and do more of the larger selling that would keep us in a better position long-term. And now that was taken away. um, And that person ended up going on to be a first grade teacher. So going from being a marketing firm kind of operations person to a first grade teacher, there's there's not a ton of correlation. However, the workload is way more on the first grade teacher side. (laughs) You know, you're grading papers every night.
0: You're not. <laughs> yeah. And that, that that is interesting because you think of uh, particularly during the pandemic, I think teachers have been hammered um, mm-hmm. trying to. I don't know how it is where you're at, but here in Utah, uh, teachers, uh, especially early on in the pandemic, the first year or so, uh, they essentially were doing two jobs. They were expected to be in person and put themselves at risk in a face to face classroom with their students. Uh, and they had to develop and deliver online content to those students who ended up staying home, and, which you know may sound like it's not a big deal, but it's a big deal. That, that's a lot of work, and so and even in the best of times, being a school teacher is a heavy lift. It's it's a lot of work um, with not a lot of pay, and often you have to deal with you know other challenging administrative and parent issues, and so mm-hmm. that's that's interesting. You know uh, your you're, uh, Your director of operations must have, you know, had a variety of reasons for that kind of a shift, Mm -hmm. but it it just highlights that, yeah, during the pandemic, I think people, a lot of people took um, stock of themselves and they tried to think, you know, they had time to think about what matters Mm -hmm. to them, what's important to them, what's their values, their meaning, their purpose, how do they derive fulfillment from work? And for whatever reason, you know, your, your operations person decided to make a complete shift, which is fascinating.
1: Yeah. And it it was interesting for me too, because it also gave me pause to go back to why, why did I want that person there? Like, what was, what was my reason again? You know, because you, you make these plans and you set up the organization a certain way and then you just do it. And I feel like I didn't really, you know, at this point now I had time to look at it and go, okay, wait a minute. Now, do I just run out and hire somebody else right away? Like, I got to fill this position. I have an empty spot. I got to have, people. you know, I need someone in this spot so they can actually do the work, whatever. Um, Or do I sit back and say, okay, well, now that this is transpired, how will that affect the organization? Not in a negative way, you know, not just looking at it as, oh my gosh, we lost a person. Those 40 hours got to go somewhere, that kind of thing. But looking at it as, How am I going to reallocate this salary? How am I going to reallocate these hours? Um, Who on the team that's already on the team remotely can step into some of these things? And where can I take back some of them? And where are those things not really serving anymore? So what are some of those tasks that that person was doing that maybe we don't need to be doing? Maybe they weren't helping us as much as we thought they were, or they weren't as important And one of the things that I've learned over the last year is, you know, I'm a big list person um, and I always make lists in my phone and then I forget they're there and then I make lists on paper and then I, you know, the paper gets misplaced and then I find it again. But what I found in that kind of misplacing the list idea is that there's things on the list that at the time, if I did not write them down, I was, it was going to be really upsetting for me if I didn't have it written down because I knew I needed to do it. But if you lose your list and you come back to it three weeks later, two weeks later, sometimes even just two days later, those things aren't necessarily as important as they were at that exact moment when you put them on the list. And so I was really looking at that position and saying, what are some of these tasks that are on this list that I've kind of forgotten about because someone was just doing them that maybe aren't as important as we thought they were because They were just being done, you know, it just kind of was an autopilot thing. Like, well, we just need to do it. Just need to do it. And I really think that that's helped me to streamline what we're doing in our organization and also my clients because they come to us and they say, well, what do I need to be doing for marketing? What do I need to be doing for X, Y, Z? And even for myself, I've changed to what I was doing because that person's not there anymore. And how do I restream that into other, you know, team members or even for myself Um, and like, I like what you said about right-sizing the organization. I've never been one to say, I'm going to make a million dollar organization. That was never my goal. Like in the beginning, people always said, oh, you could be a millionaire and you could have all these people working for you and you could franchise. And, you know, of course I have an idea that's that, you know, great. Right. (laughs) I think I have an idea that's that great, but it was never my intention to do that to have 50 people working for me, to have this massive organization. And so even having one employee, even having two employees, and at the time we had three, it was our most we ever had with my business. It it was too much still, you know? And so I think even after 15 years of doing this, I still have the influence of other organizations, other leaders saying, well, if you just had one person doing all this stuff, you could be doing all these other things that are your zone of genius or whatever they call it. Um, but then at the same time, how much burden, how much stress, how much does that that person that's working in that position actually relief off of the business and the organization and me, or does it actually add? And just every time that I've hired somebody, not that all my people were horrible or anything, they were all great, but, you know, every time I've hired people in the position that I thought that I wanted them to be right. The thing that I thought I wanted them to do, it always turns out that when they're gone, because people move on that, I didn't really need them in the first place, but in my mind and also in the, I guess the culture I was told, well, if you want to level up, you have to do these things. And I was actually talking to a colleague a couple of weeks ago, and she ended up with her business. We had very similar business models, very, you know, just kind of one person, little small team, did really well. And then she ended up merging with another company and becoming the VP of this this massive company, a partner. Um, and it's awesome. I mean, she's doing amazing stuff. I'm so happy for her. She's killing it. We had lunch a couple of uh, months ago and she said, I just, just imagine like going back to the day where you are right now. And I'm like, what do you mean? And she goes, six figures, solo, a few team, few staff that are remote killing it. She's like, that's the dream. And I was like, are you kidding me? Like I thought you were the dream. Like I was trying to live up to what you're doing now, you know? And she said, honestly, If I could go back to where you are right now, I would. She goes, I love what I do and I'm happy here. But if I had the choice and it was like, put in my lap tomorrow, hey, this is what you're going to be doing. Yeah. She's like, I'd take it. I'd take it any second.
0: I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, Bluer Than Indigo Leadership The Journey of Becoming a Truly Remarkable Leader Early in my adult life, I learned about an Asian proverb that translates as bluer than indigo If you think about the color indigo, it is a brilliant, deep, and vibrant blue What some would call the bluest of blues To have something that is bluer than indigo is rare and truly remarkable Contrary to popular myth and explore those ordinary everyday actions that will help you respond to an uncertain future and produce extraordinary results for individuals, teams, and organizations. So that's so interesting. And you've highlighted several things uh, in the latest uh, part of what you're sharing. Um, you know, your, your friend, your colleague uh, simply taking stock, <clears throat> excuse me, taking stock on uh, you know now that she's had experience in both settings, what really floats her boat, what what drives her, and what motivates her, and where did she find the most fulfillment? She she has a realization of that, and that's that's excellent. I think we all go through that. We all you know think that something is desirable because other people tell us it is because societal norms and expectations and, and whatever. And we think that's what the next step is. And so then we go into it and some people, for some people, it really is. It's, that's the next opportunity being a VP of a bigger corporation. That's the next step. Uh, But for some people, that's really not a good fit for them. Um, Not that they're not capable, not that you wouldn't be capable to go do a similar role, but you know, maybe you you just don't want it. Maybe mm-hmm. that's not something that's going to be fulfilling to you. And coming back to what you were sharing about your, your director of operations, going to be a school teacher, you know, more power to him or her, um, you know, we need good school teachers. And so that's that's great that they made that decision. Um, they, they took stock and they, they realized that's what was necessary. Um, something else that you said that I think is just super, super important that we always remind ourselves of. Not only do we find ourselves falling into, falling into the trap often of chasing, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, so to speak, but not just from you know getting that, that nice car or the big house, but also in terms of career. We often chase a career that we think, we're expected to have that we think, you know, society tells us is the right, um, the right progression, but ultimately we have to make those decisions. Um, and we can't tell, let allow anyone else to tell us what to do. That also applies though, to how we staff our organization, how we design the work and how we figure out who is needed and what is needed. And you, you alluded to this. Sometimes we feel like we need that that other position, or we need that full-time position, or we need um, whatever XYZ kind of staffing uh, personnel to join our organization. And sometimes we do, but sometimes we don't. Sometimes we really don't. And it requires us to be really clear-eyed and wide-eyed about, you know, really the true job design, uh, the the tasks, the, the responsibilities um, of this position. And we need to keep in mind what really we need to accomplish through this new role. Uh, we can't just say, I need a marketing person. So now I'm going to hire a full-time marketing person. Maybe you do, maybe you don't, maybe you need a part-time person, or maybe you need to just hire gig work. Maybe you just need a, someone on contract. Maybe you hire a firm like yours to help with the marketing, right? Any any organization has to grapple with these things. And it's, it's not always an easy um, formula to try to figure that out. And sometimes... You think you know what you need, you try it, and you ultimately determine, oh, that didn't really work for us. That's not what we needed. You try something else. And as long as we can be mindful of that and constantly be seeking for right sizing and right fitting with our culture, with our organizational size, uh, and with the clientele that we serve, um, as long as we're continuing to think about those things we're going to get there we're going to get better at it over time um, so much of this comes back to people management and leadership principles that's you know sometimes it is just more work to have a new staff person than if if you did the work yourself sometimes you really need to free up your bandwidth so you can work focus more on strategic initiatives and and all of those sorts of things and so you need that extra person and I can't tell you what the right answer is. Ultimately, you have to do the hard work of figuring that out and thinking through what types of roles and and competencies and capabilities and what what skills and and what tasks are these people going to be performing and what are you willing to do versus what do you want to pass along to somebody else so you can focus on other things. You know, and and for you, Elizabeth, maybe that is your goal. Maybe the next thing you do, you want to do, is to grow your business from a small boutique firm uh, with a small staff to a larger organization with franchise uh, franchising and such. Maybe you want to sell and or and or merge with a uh, another organization and take on a bigger role. But maybe you don't. And if you don't, that's totally fine. Uh, you just need to know that about yourself, and you need to know that about your organization, uh, and then. Uh, adjust staffing accordingly. Um, so often, I hear about leaders who just they feel like growth is, is inevitable, and that they constantly have to be scaling. They feel like they ha- const- if they if they're going to be successful, they have to be adding more staff. They have to be growing. Um, that's not necessarily the case. Uh, you you can be have a really sustainable business model and be very successful, um, staying at a small boutique size. Uh, and then that ultimately that's the decision of, of the leader to, to try to make those choices.
1: Yeah. And, and I, I agree with you. And I, I think one of the things that we get a lot of mixed messages as business owners, especially entrepreneurs that start starting out or even in that you know 10 year range, because like you said, it's like, okay, now you got to scale. Like you've been in business for 10 years. Why aren't you growing? Why aren't you scaling? You should be doing more. And really, if you look back at what their actual growth has been, they've been growing, right? (laughs) They've actually been increasing it 20% a year or something crazy like that, which does happen. I mean, we had a couple of years where we were doing like 50% more every single year. I mean, that's, it's insane, but it was just the growth rate that we had at that time. And it was, it was working, you know, we were able to sustain it, but then it slows down. It comes to this, this plateau or this kind of even keel where you're not, you're not hustling, you're not, um, you know, starving. And so you're kind of, you're in this nice, like even space. And I think that's where the leader has to decide, like you said, like, what do they actually want out of this? Does it, is, is here okay? Or is, the, is, does the future include more people, more staff, more clients, et cetera. And I think that one of the mixed messages we get is, you know, you need more clients. Like that's kind of how you grow, right? The more clients you have, the more in revenue you have, the more staff you need to fulfill the orders of however you're doing that service or in person, uh, or, you know, physical things or whatever, but that's not actually the case. And I think that the other message we get is from these, I'll call them gurus, you know, on the other side, they're saying, well, you don't need more clients. You need to niche down and you need to actually say, okay, well, we don't want you if you're not this type of client exactly. And this is the small bucket that my people fit into. And, you know, this is the the boutique that I'm going to like create these tiny little, uh, like five clients, but they're all paying me, you know, $200,000 a year or something. Crazy like that. And so I think that people get into this, well, which one am I? And then they just keep getting the mixed messages back and forth of scale, 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 grow, grow, grow. But then it's a, then the other side says, well, no, you can't scale. You need to have more niche and you need to narrow down and, and yeah. you just need to have less clients. And, you know, <laughs> so I think that when you get to that point as an entrepreneur, you have to pick the message you're going to listen to And you have to go after that. And like you said, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. And sometimes you pivot. Sometimes you you're doing one thing and you're growing and you're scaling and it's not working. And you're like, you know what? I'd rather just have five clients and you go that direction. And that's that's okay. And I think the it's you're not flip flopping, right? You're not. Oh, well, you failed at having employees. So you need to just scale down and, and be more niche and be more boutique. No, like that. Like you said, that wasn't for you. That wasn't your Desire for the business. Because the other thing is, if you really want something, you'll make it happen, especially entrepreneurs. If they really want it, they'll make it happen, whether it's having an employee, making that relationship work, making whatever the, that is work. But if you're not really into it, then it's going to fail. It's going to kind of fall flat. You're not going to put enough into it for it to actually succeed. And that's when it feels like a failure or it feels like you've missed something or you didn't do as well as so-and-so over there, like you said, keeping up with the Joneses. But really it's pushing you in that direction that says, no, you actually should be over here scaling down, boutique, niching down, five clients is good for you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, excellent. Well, this has been a really fun conversation, Elizabeth. I know at the time I'm going to have to let you go here in just a couple of minutes, but before we close today, I wanted to give you a chance to share with listeners how they can get connected with you, find out more about your firm, your team, and then give us a final word on the topic for today.
1: Yeah, you can visit our website. It's getabsolutemarketing.com. And we are putting out a task a day in our Substack email subscription that we just started. And it's 365 marketing tasks. If you do one a day, obviously, you'll be much stronger business for having done some marketing every day. Uh, It's kind of like doing a push up a day, right? (laughs) Just do a little bit. Um, So that's over at getabsolutemarketing.com. and. The final thing for today is I I definitely agree with you that right sizing your business is super important and it doesn't mean to scale scale and it doesn't mean to have five clients. Um, You know, I'm a minimalist and my parents do not understand it whatsoever. (laughs) They don't understand how I can live with, you know, one one set of spoons and one set of forks and and be happy uh, with one plate. But again, that's for me, that's what works for me. And so I think that no matter what other people are saying about your business, whether you have one employee, one remote employee or none, uh, you know, it's, it's what's right for your business and your size. And I think the right size is definitely super important. So you got to figure that out. And once you do, you'll be so much happier. (laughs)
0: Yeah, excellent. Well said, Elizabeth. It's been a pleasure. I encourage listeners to reach out, get connected, find out more about what Elizabeth can do for you. And as always, I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day. And I hope you all have a great week. The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership We look forward to having you join us. Make this Christmas memorable with Goat Guns. Get the coolest miniature gun models for your collection. From historical classics to modern weapons, we have something for every firearm and hobby enthusiast. Surprise your loved ones with the gift of Goat Guns, the perfect blend of quality and detail. Shop now and spread the joy at GoatGuns.com.